What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. While the world whizzes by, enjoy a moment of me time with Tim Horton's new $6 breakfast bundle. Savor a small hot or iced coffee. Then add your choice of a mouth-watering hot breakfast sandwich mm. and a crispy golden hash brown. Ooh. And your pick of a classic donut. Yeah. All for six bucks. All just for you. Make your mornings all about me time with our $6 breakfast bundle. Available at your neighborhood Tim Hortons. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yeah, hit with a T. I think he made some idiotic motion yep. uh, after he made that yes, dunk. Like I stuck it to you. Something yep. like that. About me. Ask about me. Hey, she ain't got no boundaries. Don't be surprised, baby. Look at where you found me. I'm just as dirty as the shit you see around me. Why? You can bet they know about us. It's a circus. It's a show around us. I... I don't, I don't want to hear the blaming of the fans. Like, you know what I'm saying? By, by a bunch of people and you're who pick- get free tickets to the game because they write blogs. You know what I'm saying? Right. And look, most of y'all that are mad, if Tom gets hired, we'll be hearing from y'all much anymore anyways. <laughs> let's, let's not forget for one second. Yeah, there's people who are fighting for their lives right now. Don't be so naive. Don't get in your feelings and try me. Nothing wrong with side piece. Hey, go ahead if you try me. All right, we're back for another edition of the Starting 502 Podcast. Preston Meyer, Nick Connor here with you guys. We have a jam-packed show. Obviously, Louisville basketball uh, falls tonight by six points just barely covering the spread uh, at Notre Dame uh, if you would have told me that Louisville was only going to lose by six and be leading in the second half at halftime I would have told you you were on acid so uh, that's a that's a high compliment to uh, Louisville basketball's effort in the second half ultimately uh, the the immediate takeaway for me is that the message is simple from the coaching staff tonight right if Louisville brings what even a semblance of what they had in the first half or a semblance of what they had against North Carolina and Duke uh, in the first half, uh, then then Louisville 
probably wins this game. They have an excellent stretch from about uh, the under 16 timeout to the under four timeout went from, I believe, 12 down to take a one point lead and then just kind of crap the bed. Uh, Mike McGee said in the post game, a few players admitted to just taking bad shots and trying to play hero ball. And that's what happens when you have lost nine out of your last 10 games. That's what happens. You know, players try to take things into their own hands and they want so desperately to win, just like the fans do. Uh, I mean, they they see that they hear the noise. They see what's coming from the outside. And and ultimately, it just res- it resulted in another kind of crushing global loss. Uh, regardless, Nick, my major takeaway uh, from this tonight as outside of the message from the coaching staff is simply this. Louisville just has to find something within itself to just have the identity to, to play a full 40 minutes. And if and I, I know that's that's pro- that's still asking a lot. It seems it sure seems like the the effort and the intelligence is there on this team. And it seems like there's enough talent on this team that there are teams left on the schedule that Louisville should be able to, to beat regardless of the circumstances. Um, I think Mike Pegues know that knows that it seems like Jalen Withers was very matter of fact in the post game. It seems like he knows that. Um, but ultimately, Nick, what, what is your, what are your major takeaways from this game and, and maybe something positive from you? Uh, I know we've been talking a lot of negative lately and we're going to get into some kind of dense stuff later on in the pod, but a positive take or major takeaways and, and positives from this game. Yeah, I think, the first thing for me is Jalen Withers. I mean, 20 points in 30 minutes tonight. I mean, we've been talking about how Jalen's been playing too much, getting too much court time for the, you know, for what he's showing. And this was the Jalen Withers of late last year. This was the Jalen Withers of preseason and the talk and the lore he was getting, uh, and, you know, back when former coach Mac, which sounds crazy to say, feels like this season has been three years. Presley, former coach Mac said, you know, Jalen Withers is an NBA guy. If he goes out and gets it this year and, we finally saw it tonight, right? What did Louisville do when they came back on that run? They finally got the ball in the paint. The floor is lava, right? The paint was lava in the first half. Legitimately, Louisville looked like they couldn't put a foot in the paint. But in the second half, they came out. They got the ball in the right position to Dre Davis, to Jalen Withers. They did a little bit of action to get a mismatch, and then they attacked it, right? That is that is the you know Ross McMain's offense. As much as we want to talk about X's and O's, it's just getting a mismatch and then attacking it. And we saw that with Jalen Withers tonight. His ability to get to the rim at will, his ability to score through contact. I mean, how many times this year have we seen him drop the ball, um, you know, just fumble it, just didn't do any of that tonight. Really looked good down low, hit a couple good jump shots. Again, as uh, as I know some of the announcer uh, noted at the point, he, he knew when was the right time to take a good look, right, at outside, which, you know, the opposite would be Malik Williams coming off the bench, off the suspension, taking two 24 footers cold, you know, but I really liked what Jalen Withers did. I thought Dre Davis was really good in spots. Obviously L continues to shoot the ball well, but that's about it. Right. And, and I think offensively that's it for sure. But, but as Jordan Cornette said um, on the broadcast on the ESPN broadcast, they really locked it in on the de- defensive end. They got back in this game because they decided to defend in the second half. They decided to win every loose ball, get on the, get on the floor, all these different things. And that was the thing for me. We've talked about it all season long. If this team decides to play defense, they have a chance to win basketball games. If they don't, they will not, right? We, they, As Jordan Cornette said, they are inept offensively. It just is what it is. We know this at this point. You know, anemic, you can use whatever, synonym, whatever word you want to use. They're bad, right? But when they decide to play defense tonight, when they decide to get on the boards and get loose balls, they were right there with Notre Dame. 
And again, you catch Notre Dame on, I don't know, what can we casually say their D-plus game or D game for them, right? And and you lose by six. And right, obviously, with, with the whole year in the rearview mirror, it's it's not acceptable by any stretch, but it's better than it could have been, right? But again, this is a Notre Dame team that, you know, only hits five threes tonight. I mean, that that's way below their season average. They're undefeated this year when they hit 10. You know, so, I mean, we saw that when they came to the Yum, they hit 15 that night. So all that to say, I liked the effort in the second half. Obviously, the attention to detail defensively got Louisville back into the game. And again, as we've seen with this team, when they do get some defensive stops and then it, it almost seems like, oh, the offense is working, then they start running offense. And when that happens, they get in, in these stretches. And then we saw Jalen Withers get his fourth foul. Then we saw Notre Dame go on an immediate 8-0 run that was centered around Louisville jacking up threes again like they did in the first half. So when Louisville was, you know, intentional, as we've said all year, when they're intentional, they're fine and they get good looks. Um, and I, I, I think Jalen Withers has to stand out. And, and as you look forward to next season, you know, wouldn't have said this a week ago, but maybe Jalen Withers is a piece that maybe does have a place moving forward. Going back to the defensive effort, uh, from Louisville, Notre Dame had a, a horrid performance when they traveled to Duke. They scored in the 40s there, but you have to go back to the middle of December when they they lost to Indiana uh, to see an output with a lower final score uh, than they had against Louisville tonight. So again, it was not a solid game by any means from Notre Dame's standpoint, and they were obviously missing their starting power forward, basically their their anchor and Nate Nate Lashevsky. Uh, so that cannot be overlooked as well. Still, uh, this is another Dame team that came in, as you already kind of noted, scored 82 points and made 15 threes against Louisville in the KFC Yum Center on Russ Smith Day. Yes, it is not the result that you ultimately want. But again, you and I have talked about the, the macro uh, over and over since this, it became very apparent that this season was kind of had hit a dead end. We want to see improvement and we want to see players on an individual basis uh, learn how to find their role within this program. Obviously, when a new head coach comes in, a lot of stuff is subject to change. You know, we're all gung ho about holding on to L. Ellis and, and Sidney Curry. Louisville very, very well may hire hire a, a head coach that comes in. He doesn't want those guys. Uh, that there's a very real possibility of that as well. But I think what these guys need to be looking forward to now is is trying to make a concerted effort, uh, simply to prove themselves. A task that's easier said than done. One other thing that I want to bring up about this game tonight, uh, what was just J- J.J. Trainer getting into the game and actually playing really well, uh, playing up to the capabilities that, that we saw from him. And so Mike Piggy's kind of, I think he's already over the J.J. Tw- Trainer questions. And look, I mean, it's it's been a mystery, and he really clarified a lot for us tonight in the postgame. So he basically explained that J.J. Trainer came into the season, he was hurt. And so the first six games when, when Piggies was coaching, Trainer was rehabbing, but he was not in a place where he could find any minutes on the floor yet because he was still hurt. Uh, then Chris Mack came back. Trainer's finally getting healthy, but the effort and the intensity was not in a place where he was able to see any minutes in front of Matt Cross or Jalen Withers, Malik Williams or Roosevelt Wheeler or, or any of the guys at the two positions that he would be playing in. And so ultimately what happened was his effort, his intensity started to decrease and he just was buried so far on the bench that there's no chance that you were going to see him. Then Chris Mack departs from the program. Trainer's effort and intensity picks up a little bit in practice. 
but Pegues explained when that began to happen, Trainer said that he was hoping that he could apply for a red shirt. And so it's been a subject of contention, especially I know our buddy Matt McGavick is going to go to war if he gets one more question about JJ Trainer redshirting. And again, you know, we post one thing about JJ Trainer on Twitter and four people come right into the into the comment section or into the mentions saying, Oh, well, now we definitely can't redshirt. Well, Tyler Sharp. So the local kid, Tyler Sharp, came in at Louisville in some mop-up duty time. And ultimately, when he transferred to Northern Kentucky, and he was actually really solid for the for the Norse, I believe the Norse Norseman, he was unable to ultimately get an extra season at NKU because he played seven whole minutes at UofL. So ultimately, Trainer decided yesterday, according to Coach Begies, that he was not going to take the red shirt and that he wanted to play. And Begies said that, Coincidentally, probably not a coincidence, he had his two best practices of the season, got into the game tonight, uh, had some crucial rebounds, had a couple of big shots, had an alley-oop, hit a timely three, subbed in for for Jalen Withers uh, down low. So that's one big thing uh, to take away. And then the last thing, obviously, it was just Mike Behuse's comments about, look, you and I have been clamoring for this. You cannot have a rotation of 13 players that all equally are just not very good. Like, at some point, you just got to ride with your guys. And it was very apparent tonight that Louisville was riding with its guys. Malik Williams got in, came off his two-game suspension, and looked awful. Let guys blow by him, you know, missed on a switch and left a guy wide open for three, airballed a three, hit the backboard on a three, and he was in for, like, a segment and a half, came out, and never came back into the game. And, look, he's is going – he made it apparent in, in the postgame. He's going to ride or die with, with his guys. and. Tonight, that was L. Ellis, uh, as we've been asking for, 33 minutes tonight. Uh, Matt Cross was the guy that kind of took the hit tonight, uh, eight minutes. And then Samuel Williamson coached the decision, according to Big East, zero minutes tonight. So you're seeing already the roster starting to get condensed. And, and ultimately, that's it sounds like that's what the coaching staff is going to going to do going forward. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Sid, Sid Curry it, you know, was not a beneficiary of that tonight either. Four minutes, he did start. I actually, I had to go back and look in the box where I was like, I, I did, he played, right? He, he did very briefly in the first half. And like you said, they rode with Jalen Weathers. Um, had Jalen and JJ playing together, which would have been last year's dream going into this year. We had talked about that possibility. Knowing Jalen plays much better at the four than he does at the five. Again, I, I don't have a problem with the rotation tonight. I really, I mean, the guys that were on the floor played well for the most part. Um, I know Mike Rutherford made a comment on Twitter at halftime about like, just find me some guys who want to be out there and give some effort. And, you know, it, it was the same guys he played the first half, but they came out in the second half, you know, ready to go. And so, I mean, moving forward, it's, it's, it's bleak, right? We continue to fall under 500, you know, it's not going to get any better barring a um, Cinderella run in Brooklyn, which I think we can all agree is not going to happen at this point. It is what it is. And I think, I think it's time to turn the page. Mike Piggy said, you know, it, he said it at the start of his tenure when Mac left, I'm not even taking it one day at a time. I'm taking it one hour at a time. And the the phrase tonight that he kind of borrowed from a, a reporter was, you got to hit singles. Louisville's trying to hit too many home runs. Try to do that in the first half. Try to push, push the envelope a little bit too much. Uh, they just have to learn how to play within themselves. And ultimately, uh, we saw a lot of what we've been asking to see especially in the second half tonight. We saw the roster, the rotation shortening. 
Uh, we saw if guys weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing, they were pulled and, and most of the time didn't come back in the game. And so ultimately, that's kind of the takeaway from this game and going forward. Just got to keep hitting singles. And, and that just goes for the overall arc of the season. Wolves has to find a way to continue, take it, t- just essentially take it one game, one half, one possession at a time. So, and ultimately that's what they're going to do. Moving forward a little bit though, the, the main topic of discussion, especially on the social media this week has been a, a real hot button issue. <laughs> Apparently is, is very touchy within some circles. Um, it's, it's something that's near and dear to many people's hearts. And, and that is the potential return of former Louisville Athletic Director Tom Jurich. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So I wanted to get into that a little bit because there are a lot of moving pieces off the floor and outside the the athletic department control right now. Uh, Louisville has an interim president. Louisville has an interim athletic director, and they have an interim head coach for the basketball team. Three of the four highest paid and highest profile people on campus, there's nobody in their positions. And that is that can be deadly, especially for a program like Louisville basketball that, I mean, you know, it was nine years ago today that we had that five-overtime Notre Dame-Louisville game before... Uh, they sparked that 16-game winning streak and went on to win the national championship. Since that time, it's just been a gradual decline for the Louisville basketball program, scandal after scandal, uh, interim coaches, firings, so much behind the scenes coming out. Louisville has to nail each one of these hires, and it, it, it appears that they are really dragging their feet, and that that's, should be frustrating to any Louisville fan. You know, people that are supporting this university that are, as, as Nick Connor has, has now plugged his nose. I, I didn't see one person draw blood on the floor tonight, but we got Nick Connor over here just plugging his nose from a nosebleed. That's incredible. It's incredible. Uh, it's, a, it's a great look. We'll have to maybe capture an image of that. We're going fi- like to fight through it. It's going to be okay. We're, we're fighting through. Um, and he's round, <laughs> round nine. He's just ready to take one more hit from this Louisville basketball team. He's ready to get hurt again, just like Michael Scott. That's uh, right. But, but no, getting into this to this athletic director hubbub. So Louisville just announced <laughs> just over seven weeks after the departure of athletic director Vince Tyre, a little over three weeks after the departure of, of Chris Mack, uh, they're, they're going to go ahead and hire a search firm to, to try to find Louisville's next head coach. A lot of people take issue with this, especially people that are firmly in the Kenny Payne camp, right? Like it's, it seems clear that Kenny Payne is the front runner for this Louisville 
men's basketball coaching position. M- many will will tell you it's with with good reason. I will you know, we'll kind of dive into that tonight. Before we get into the 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 head coaching search, which I have some little tidbits about that as well. I'm interested to hear your opinion. Put a percentage chance on it. Tom Jurich as Louisville's net next athletic director. Go. Twenty one percent. There is a high. What's your what there is, your is a there is enough of conversation happening, in my opinion, that there might actually be something there. Now, if we're going to go down that road, I think it can get dangerous really quickly if you start bringing back all the old people, right? Like because there is a there is a larger section of the fan base than maybe I'd like to acknowledge that wants to just bring in the old guard, like wants to just go full. Bring back Rick, bring back Jurek, you know, like, let's just rehash it, right? And I think that's a very dangerous decision based on the decisions that they made while in charge of finances and violations and things such as that that have put us in this situation. But I think at this point, if it's still kind of being talked about, there's a chance it happens, right? And and here's my other thing, though. I think some people, and we've seen this with Kenny Payne, like, if enough people tweet about it, people are like, oh, this is what's happening, right? Like, that's, that's just gospel truth. People are talking about it on Twitter. That's what's happening. People know things, right? As some local radio people would say recently, not very many people actually have access. A lot of people think they have access, right? And so they just kind of go with what they hear on the street or what they hear in these days on social media. I don't think it's a wise decision. I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense. Now, if we want to play the card of, well, we're still paying the man, technically speaking, if we want to play the card of, you know, all these people that were still paying to not be employed at the university. Maybe that makes some sort of sense. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I struggle with the NCAA cloud still hanging over with the AARP still not fully resolved. Still don't know when that's coming out. I mean, publicly, we don't know that. I know um, the interim AD has said they've been given a, a window. He's just not allowed us to comment on it publicly. I, I just don't know. There's too many, there's too much caution tape there for me. There's just, there's bigger fish to fry. You got to get an AD and you got to get a good one. But I just, I think that's too far. I mean, the saying is where there is smoke, there's a fire. If you know Tom Jurich and you know the people around him, uh, the interest for him to come back is is legitimate. Uh, This is a guy who, I mean, this was his baby. You know, Louisville was was his brand that he established. And when you look at um, successful uh, universities and national brands across colleges and universities, especially power five teams. The athletic department is not what brings in the majority of the revenue. However, they are what drives uh, the perception uh, of the university. You need to look no further than the the most applications the University of Louisville ever had um, to enter as an undergrad at the University of Louisville was after they won the national championship in 2013. Like when you have that kind of exposure uh, when there are millions and millions of people watching and spotlight is, is, is on your program and you're considered the best at what you do, when all of that is happening, that drives so much your, your university. You know, Louisville is lauded for um, its research, health programs, and from the law school to uh, the school of science, the school of business, there are a lot of improving uh, programs and areas around this university. But a lot of that is driven by the brand of the university. Uh, that ultimately uh, begins with exposure from the athletic program. Like you're not going to turn on ESPN and seeing scientists pouring stuff in the vials or doctors giving you a, a COVID vaccine. Like 
that's, that's typically not what makes the highlights, right? And so what we glorify in this country and like what what drives the the engine for this university uh, is the athletics program ultimately. Now, with all that being said, uh, Tom Jurich built one of the best brands, not only for major the major sports, but in everything from women's lacrosse to volleyball to golf to baseball, any women's sport uh, to soccer. Uh, and, and the facilities that they built and the money that they brought in and all of the things that Jurich accomplished during his tenure, uh, those things should not go overlooked. And and those are the reasons why people want want him back, uh, because when Jurich was here, Louisville was winning games. And you see the juxtaposition now. They're not making money. They're not winning games. There's this giant black cloud of the pro- over the program. I understand. Uh, I know that uh, people have indicated that some of the, uh, um, as Dockage says, the, the blogger boys, some of the blogger boys are out, out here um, saying that you're an idiot or stupid. Like, you know, I, I've never said that. Uh, I don't think any quote unquote blogger in the city of Louisville has ever said anything about somebody being an idiot for thinking that Tom Jurich should come back. Uh, you know, I, there are there are many people I respect, including many, many of my family members who are boosters and and serious donors at, at this university. Um, who have a great respect and admiration for Tom Jurich and stopped giving so much money when when Jurich departed and are still upset and, and want to see him come back. I have a respect for anybody who thinks that that should happen. Uh, I happen to not think that should happen, though, because all of the issues that we have right now are because of things that happen under Tom Jurich's watch. And it's okay to recognize the accomplishments of Tom Jurich's administration. It's okay to to recognize everything great that happened under him and still understand that there were a lot of mistakes that were made as well. I think that those two things are not mutually exclusive. And ultimately, I just think that you can have a great relationship with your your ex-lover or what what have you and still acknowledge that it would be toxic to jump back into that situation. Um, I obviously think they have a good situation with Josh Hurd as the interim AD. Uh, he is very well respected. He did a great job when he was at Louisville. Obviously, did a great job at Villanova. The thing that I love about Josh Hurd is that he's not flashy. This is a dude that, if he comes out on the basketball court at halftime or at a timeout in a basketball game, he walks out there, he hands off the checker or the trophy, and people applaud, and he's already walking off the floor. He's like, "I got a meeting to get to. I got other stuff to do." Like he is not there for the spotlight. He is not there to be some PR genius uh he's a guy that reads off a script when he speaks at banquets he's a guy that he's there to make sure that that he does his job correctly and that the university is more successful today than it was yesterday and i like that i like that business-like attitude because that's what it's going to require for louisville to kind of take it over the top the one thing that louisville has to look for um and it's and it's next athletic director and again i don't believe it will be tom durich if i'm completely wrong then i will 100% 100% eat my words. The, the one thing that you have to be looking for is fundraising. And that's something that seriously, seriously lacked when Vince Tyree was here. Vince Tyree was great with social presence, with helping kind of guide them through COVID, guide them through an awkward transition. There was a lot that Vince Tyree had to navigate, but ultimately he lost the ears of a lot of very important donors. And he didn't have the confidence and backing that an athletic director needs. And now, you know, transitioning a little bit into the basketball coaching search as well, you have to ultimately be able to raise the funds to hire 
elite level coaches like Louisville wants. And right now Louisville doesn't have that money. And so, you know, I hear local radio personalities saying offer them, you know, if Eric Musselman can't, you know, is getting offered more money from Arkansas, you offer him more, put your money where your mouth is. That's, <laughs> it's not a thing. Like if you're going to offer, like I, I can tell you this with complete confidence. If Louisville were to offer, say it's Eric Musselman, just for this example, if they were to offer him $6 million a year, they'd have to go out and find where the heck that $6 million is going to come from next year. Like, that's not just like, you can't just say, oh, here's, you know, here's $5.5 million. Like, you know, there it is. Somebody will write the check. Like, no, you have to have people that are backing this. And ultimately, that's why you get the Jurich narrative, right? Because fans know that they can drive this this train with their money they know that they have influence with their money by coming to games by uh, buying merchandise by purchasing tickets and and food and drinks at games by donating money by going to banquets and fundraisers and all that other stuff that comes with it and by going to to, uh, games for smaller sports and and women's sports all of that stuff adds up and fans in Louisville are not stupid well I mean they they say a lot of stupid things and I, I will be the first to tell you that but they are not unintelligent when it comes to the fact that they know they can talk with their money right now. Fans disagree with what's going on. And so they are saying, you know, hire Kenny Payne, hire Tom Jurich, and we will back it with, with our money. Ultimately, that's kind of the issue that, that you're running into Nick, any, any other comments before we transition to kind of like coaching talk about the athletic director. And do you have any thoughts on like anybody besides Jurich or heard? Yeah. As far as the AD, I, I'm honestly not plugged in enough on that on that network to know those kind of things and where where to look outside. But I, I agree with you in, in that you just have to have the connections. If you don't have the connections, then it's not going to work. Again, this is a sleeping giant, if you want to call it that, of a program. I don't know if we've been asleep long enough to call it that, but we are a sleeping giant. We're ready to go. We're ready to roar. We're ready to compete for national titles again. And it's it's not going to take a lot. Like it, It's just not going to if you get the right guys in or gals as it may be, you know, and so get, get the right person, get the right fit and then hire the best coach. Floyd street is just a, a coach's playground, right? You know, if you think about literally almost any sport you can name from an unbelievable golf facility in Simpsonville to, you know, the best soccer stadium in the country to the nicest football stadium in the country to the best arena, uh, regardless of, of, what you're there for to see in the country and one of the best in the world. Like Louisville has, it's just like a, you know how six flags got bought out and they came in and they, and and they redid Kentucky kingdom and rebranded it and everything. Floyd street is like six flags over Floyd street. If it's just a barren boneyard of, of incredible stadiums and complexes and just top notch world-class facilities waiting to be filled the country's best players and the best coaches and fans will pack those stadiums when they feel like they are ready to give support. And I know it sounds like, you know, you watch a Duke game and regardless of if Duke wins five games or 35 games, you're, they're going to have a crazy Cameron crazies Penn state or well, I'll, I'll say this programs, though. Nebraska, it, like there, there are just certain programs where fans are going to show up. Well, fans are not like that. They're like, look, we're a blue collar program. Like, you know, we, we're going to give our money when we feel like we, we can give our money. Yeah. I mean, like 
the examples that you give, I think it's important to point out, like a lot of it is, is built on a lot of legacy and a lot of years and like state in state college, Pennsylvania, there's nothing else there. Right. You got to understand like Penn state grads and Penn state alum and people who live there, like that is what they do. That's what they live and breathe. And that's basically the only program. I mean, not that their, their athletics aren't good and they're very good academically as we, you know, lost a president to them. Um, but like also Duke has a, you know, the, the yum is like five times bigger than Cameron. So that's part of it too, right? You got to factor that in. Like, it's hard to get into Cameron when they're bad. I, I, I agree with you fully. The fan base is different. The fan base is financially well off, but, but likes to express that in a different way. And I think you got to figure out a way to tap into that. Absolutely. And, and the final thing I want to get into and, and really the, the, the meat and potatoes of this entire Louisville basketball conversation right now is just not only who's going to be the next coach, but how the heck are they going to figure that out? With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They don't have a president. They don't have an AD. Obviously, they don't have a head coach. And <laughs> nobody knows. Granted, most programs, they don't know who their athletic director is. <laughs> most programs, they definitely don't know who's on their board of directors or the difference between the board of directors and the, the board of trustees for the, for the athletic program, right? Like most people don't know who those people are and with, with good reason, right? <laughs> These decision makers should not be continuously put into the situations that they're put into over and over again. Um, and so there's a lot of controversy around that. And, and Louisville, you know, and most Louisville fans will have some sort of opinion on this. Uh, but, but ultimately, I feel that the way that, that Louisville is going about this is exactly the way they should have gone about it. They should have just done it a lot sooner. Like as soon as Chris Mack departed from the program, Louisville should have been, and maybe they were on the horn. Maybe Josh Hurd and, and the, the board of directors were on the, on the phone immediately saying, we need an unbiased third party in here. Uh, you know, we'll pay them what, what they need to be paid because ultimately this is a, a massive, massive, massive financial decision and decision for our, our university and, and city as a whole. We, gotta, we have to bring in the best of the best. And that's exactly what Louisville did. DHR International and the, the man, the myth, the legend, uh, Glenn Shugiyama, I believe is how you pronounce his name, is who Louisville has brought in. So here's a little bit of just background on Shugiyama. How about that? 93% of coaches that he's placed in his career over the last 30 years have gotten contract extensions. Uh, that, that's a big deal. And, and, and if people are unaware, this is not just like them just doing some like basic background checks or anything like that. Like they're not, they're not forking over uh, six figures to just have them look at, I don't know, Kenny Payne's, you know, criminal history. Like there are very serious um, investigations. And so here's their process. Uh, they have it all laid out on, on their website. This company not only has hired some of the greatest or helped help programs ultimately make the decision to hire uh, some of the greatest up and coming coaches especially across the college landscape, but also just like corporate executives. Like that's, this is just kind of what they do. So their first process, assess an organization, assessment and research. They meet constituents aligned with client on critical competencies for the role, develop search strategy and priorities, organize and execute 
research strategies, and then they identify and develop candidates. They contact sources and potential candidates. They have weekly progress reports. I think that's a big deal. So essentially this, this uh, Shugiyama guy is like, Hey, look, you know, I've been in touch with Kevin Ollie. You know, he says he's really interested in, in the position. Uh, we, we feel like, you know, based on uh, X, Y, and Z that he is be a good fit to go forward with you guys. Would you like to have him for an interview? Like that sort of stuff, develop and prioritize top prospects, a comprehensive competency based interviews. Uh, and then they qualify the candidates. Heavy recruiting continues in this process. Comprehensive competency-based candidate interviews lead psychometric assessments, conduct detailed referencing around critical competencies, and finally, they help you select the most qualified candidates. So they conduct candidate meetings, debrief competency evaluation, and leap assessment results with the client, review feedback to determine finalists, conduct in-depth referencing around critical competencies and background checks, and offer negotiation and candidate counseling. Okay, so that's a lot. And that is what they are doing for the University of Louisville right now. Um, obviously, most recently, notoriously was the guy who helped Michigan State decide on Mel Tucker. It was kind of throw, It was a name that was thrown around in a lot of coaching searches, and he ultimately just was not able to, to pick up any significant job offers, goes to Michigan State, and they become you know one of the best programs in the country almost overnight. He is responsible for many other super relevant coaching searches, but also his background is in college basketball. He was an assistant basketball coach at the D1 level, I believe it was at Eastern Michigan. Um, and then he worked as kind of like a player development recruiter type of guy for the Chicago Bulls uh, during their second championship run. So like, this is a guy that like, he's legit. Okay. And so I have been kind of thinking outside the box a little bit. And I want to, I kind of have just sat down over the last couple of days and tried to come up with every possible name, including those outside the box, because there will be names that come up and they could be smoke, smoke screens. They could be any number of things. This guy, I read a story about this today. The Shugiyama guy from DHR International. This man, during, the, uh, during a recent coaching search, Peterson and, and he ended up was that he went from Boise to Washington. Washington, that's right. A couple years later, retired. Team. Okay, and a guy that went to the college football playoffs. Okay, so again, this was a guy during that coaching during a coaching search, just sent a plane to Boise with just the pilot because he knew that people were watching the flight trackers and just wanted to. So, th- so the big thing about this is is the privacy. Like they're currently out conducting interviews. They're flying across the country and developing relationships. This is the guy that helped Jeff Brom uh, ultimately land his gig at Purdue from Western Kentucky. So like, this is, this is the guru. This is something that Louisville has done before, but never really at this level. Um, and so ultimately what I did was I kind of sat down and thought about the outside the box stuff. And the first thing that I did was I came up with the untouchables. So these are the guys that there are, even though I think most of us consider Louisville a top 10 job, Uh, and maybe more like in the top 20 range, given the circumstances right now. These are the guys that would be options. They're people that you could call, but Louisville would never have a shot of landing. So first, there's just the guys that are just in their positions that are just never going to leave. And that's Cal Perry, lifetime contract. Mark Few, he's not coming to Louisville. Tom Izzo, Bruce Pearl, obviously, with his lifetime contract. uh, And Bill Self. And then I added on there any NBA head coach. Obviously, it's much more rare 
uh, now than it was 20 years ago for an NBA head coach to, to move down to the college level because the NBA has never been more of a separation between college and NBA than there is right now. And then you have the guys that I, I would say that this is the Denny Crum uh, line. So Denny Crum retired when he was 64. All of these guys would be probably decent candidates if they weren't so damn old. And that's uh, Mike Bray, Kelvin Sampson, Cooley from Providence, uh, Rick Barnes, and uh, Rick Patino is just untouchable for obvious reasons. Okay, so that rounds out the untouchables list. So that's, uh, I believe, nine or ten guys that Louisville just, they have zero chance of getting that are currently um, coaching at the college level. With that being said, there are about 15 to 20 guys at the college level right now that I think that Louisville has a legitimate shot at, at least going after that they will have their ear and there will be, you know, there's a legitimate chance at getting at scoring an interview, uh, you know, having some sort of contract negotiations and getting to that point in the, in the process. And so I'll kind of read them out real quick. So Eric Musselman obviously is, is the big hot name right now. Uh, Steve Forbes from Wake Forest. I know a lot of people will kind of scoff at that, but huge player development guy. I mean, look, he's got Wake Forest uh, right at the top of the ACC um, is elite talent developer is of the Bruce Pearl tree and also was, was part of that uh, Wichita state run uh, under Wichita. I was going to just let, Greg I was gonna let yeah, you, yeah. Hey, I was uh, going to let you just flounder there. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, and then, okay. So here's some more Dan Hurley at UConn, uh, Kevin Ollie, Kevin Ollie's show cause ends on June 1st. And yes, I know, I know Kevin Ollie is a weird name for this, but I, I think that he has to at least be thrown into the mix. I mean, we talk about the, the pedigree in the NCAA tournament. This dude has a national championship under his belt and a couple of, you know, decent NCAA tournament runs. Um, Mick Cronin obviously has to be in there. Josh Pastner, I know, is a name that people don't want to talk about. But look, that's a guy, if you want to talk about rehabbing your program, there's not many better personalities. Sean Miller, somebody that nobody's talking about. He is kind of like deemed untouchable right now in the NCAA circles. However, uh, he does not have a show cause or anything like that. Currently, he's just doing a podcast with his brother for the field of 68. So <laughs> Sean and Archie are just, just I don't know if you've seen this on Twitter. They're just kicking oh, back oh, yeah. often with, uh, I think it's Do Rob Douster and maybe Jeff Goodman hopping yeah, in there. And, you know, X's and O's and saying things I think they shouldn't say, but it is what it is. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. But I, look. I mean, it's undeniable how great of a coach Sean Miller was. That's right. Uh, probably cheats his ass off. But look, I mean, if, if we're talking about some of these coaching candidates, you can't not include Sean Miller, right? Kelvin Sampson. He's Kelvin Sampson's son. He's the coach in waiting at Houston. A guy that played, I don't know if you remember, at Duke. Uh, has a pretty decent, pretty decent track record as an assistant coach. Tommy Lloyd at Arizona uh, immediately stepped in uh, for Sean Miller, a guy that nobody's really talking about. But look, he's got Arizona as a dark horse final four candidate in year one. You have a Scott Drew at Baylor. Look, if I'm making a list of, of my top three guys that I think you go after right now that are current head coaches, that I think are, you ha actually have a real realistic shot of getting them to listen, Scott Drew. And look, Scott Drew just won a national championship at Baylor. So I get it. Like, it seems unrealistic when you look at the state of Louisville's program versus what he's built at, at Baylor. But this is a guy that he came in in a similar situation to what Louisville's in right now. Baylor was in a, a crap ton of trouble when he came in. He had to kind of wait it out. He built the program from nothing uh, into essentially a Big 12 powerhouse between Baylor and, and a couple of other programs kind of on the rise are finally trying to uh, kick Can Kansas off of its throne of just continuously winning Big 12 championships over and over again. Uh, so Scott Drew, look, that's not a name that 
that's a name that's being considered. I can promise you that he's at least he's at least received some phone calls. Uh, Shaka Smart at Marquette. Listen, I know he didn't work out of Texas. A lot of guys don't work Texas, out of Texas. It's man. Texas. Yeah. At what point are we going to say it's Texas? It's 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 any athletic program at Texas minus the baseball program is is removed from that. Everything else in the athletics department is a hot mess. Yeah. It's it's just like it's feels untouchable at Texas, and it's because the expectations are so high. That's a guy that has dealt with those expectations. He went from VCU to Texas. And so now he's at like kind of that happy medium at, at Marquette. Is he content there or does he want to go to like a top 10 program that he can develop uh, in, into, you know, being an elite contender again? Shaka Smart is a name that, that I would not cross off your list quite yet. Uh, Mark Adams at Texas Tech. Again, Butch Beard leaves for Texas. Mark Adams Butch steps Be- in. Butch Beard. Yeah. How about yeah, Butch Beard? No, no, thank you. Listen, I don't want to have a coach that has that has had like seven different jobs in six years. Like I like Butch Beard. I think he's a great coach. Who is who is Butch Beard? You mean Chris Beard? Oh yeah, yeah. Who who's Butch? Uh, Beard? Who is, I don't know. That's why I was you you just kept going. I thought oh, you yeah. were Chris, I thought Chris you understood. Beard, I was just really Chris, Be- Chris Beard has not had seven jobs, six jobs in seven years. What are you talking about? He's had okay, Butch Beard or, God darn it. Chris Beard has been a notorious job hopper. Over the last, I don't know, eight, 10 years, he's really risen from like, what was he like in the Juco ranks or D2 or well, something he, like that? He took, in my personal opinion, in my personal opinion, I think he was next in line at Kentucky. That's just my personal opinion. And then once that was made clear a few years ago that Cal is not going anywhere anytime soon, he was like, all right, I'll take the next best offer. That was Texas at the time. Hey, they just beat Kansas the night and they're starting to look good. So he's a good X's and O's guy. So that's all I'm saying. I don't think he's the culture guy, though. I'll say that. Yeah, and, and that's that's the issue you run into. You have the recruiting, you have the player development, but does he have what it takes to survive the storm? And ultimately, when you look at, at candidates, you have to look at a guy that's going to be, like you said, a character guy that's going to be able to weather the storm. And ultimately, regardless of what's going on, fans are going to expect you to win either way. I mean, we saw with Chris Mack, he had the hardest, like he had a really hard deal and he, he stopped winning and he started having a sour attitude and he didn't know how to handle it. Some people are made for the job and some aren't. And and he's a guy that I, I would question the, the the fit as far as just being able to have the mental capacity to handle it. Another name that, that a lot of people are throwing around uh, that I think Louisville fans w- would grow to really like is Andy Enfield at USC. And he, you know, he was the guy that was Florida Gulf Coast, Dunk City, kind of ties hand in hand with the with the doctors of Dunk. And, you know, we're, we're always complaining. They finally had some dunks tonight against Notre Dame, but we're always complaining about Louisville not getting to the rack and, uh, getting out on fast breaks and, and that sort of thing. So he still brings that same brand to USC and obviously is an elite recruiter, uh, still a young coach. I like Andy Enfield. Um, I was listening to Louisville Sports Live tonight. Ethan Moore has Andy Enfield as his top three, uh, one of his top three candidates right now, uh, along with Musselman and Payne. I, you know, that, that could just be a, a hunch thing or just trying to throw it out there. But Andy Enfield, again, a name that's been on my list. Uh, Matt McMahon at Murray State, really interesting name to watch. Uh, he obviously is known for developing or recruiting and then developing John Morant. Obviously, John Morant is John Morant. He has another elite level. I cannot think of his name, but he has another elite level talent this year at Murray State. They've been just really solid under him. Uh, they've been a really consistent program. Last year, they kind of stunk it up a little bit. I think they finished right around 500 last season. But ultimately, at, at a program with with very little resources uh, and a very tiny college town that's very difficult to recruit to, uh, he's done about as good of a job as, as he could have, and he's extremely young. 
Uh, he, he's in his in his early 30s. And then finally, we'll, we'll round it out with, with two Big Ten guys, uh, Matt Painter at Purdue and Brad Underwood at Illinois. Um, I don't think Matt Painter would ever come here, and I don't think he's like a sexy hire by any means. He doesn't have the reputation of being a great coach in the NCAA tournament. Obviously, they were that crazy play from Virginia away from going to the Final Four in the Yum Center. What was that, like three years ago? Uh, maybe four years ago, something like that. The Carson Edwards-led team where, mm-hmm. where Diakite made the shot at the free throw line off the long rebound. That was a crazy game. You know, Matt Painter has been is a guy that's been right there. Purdue has always been really solid under him. Uh, he's just a guy that just has been known to recruit really massive players and just absolutely kill you. And this year, he's finally got some actually uh, legitimate, like, top five, top ten NBA draft picks uh, on on his roster. So, a guy that is is developing his recruiting chops and has a, he has a a brand of basketball. So that's something that Louisville fans are always clamoring for is 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 the brand. So is Matt Painter a guy uh, that would ultimately be looking at that? Brad Underwood, um, again, not a super sexy hire, but Illinois has been very good over the last few years and until well, I mean they're still solid because they have Kofi Coburn this year, but uh, UK coached their two best assistant coaches in the offseason. So. We'll see if Brad Underwood's looking to to hang around at Illinois. And then finally, I got into the NBA assistants, right? So we talk about Kenny Payne as, as, a, as a high-level NBA assistant. Uh, there are a lot of other relevant names out there uh, on the NBA assistant coaching tree that, that are very fascinating. Start with Darvin Ham at Milwaukee. You have Ime Oduka at Brooklyn. I don't know if you remember him when he played like 15 years in the league. Um, he was a beast. Uh, Jamal Jamal Mosby at the Mavs. Was it Mosby or Mosley? I don't remember. Malik Allen for the Miami Heat. Chris Quinn at the Miami Heat. And then Will Hardy at San Antonio. I don't know if you ever heard of Will Hardy, but he's like 32. He's considered like the next up and coming like basketball guru, like the next uh, Eric Spolstra type of guy. And he's he's been there under Pop and, and uh, Becky Hammond for, I don't know, five or six years now at San Antonio. But the big thing about those guys and i kind of highlighted these guys on this list and i'll leave it at this louisville is going to really have a push for hiring a minority coach and i think that this is a bigger deal than a lot of people are making it out to be look this louisville is a program that was built probably the first team south of the mason dixon line to really recruit and build their program on the backs of, of minority players there was a lot of controversy early on Peck Hickman even going into Denny Crum era uh, where coaches in this area would not recruit as many black players as Louisville did and ultimately Louisville's success hinges on the West Unsolds and the Daryl Griffiths and the Butch Beards the Purvis Ellisons I don't know if I mentioned Purvis there will be a push for multiple black coaches to be interviewed and be in, in the final running and ultimately for as a university in a city uh, that has been that has been really supported by uh, minority players, and uh, there's a high population of, of minority fans as well. It'd be a really exciting time for the city to finally have a minority head coach, and for kids to be growing up and looking at Louisville basketball's head coach, and and <laughs> finally being a, a guy that you know looks looks like you. Like, I mean, I know that sounds crazy, but it's the same thing as like Becky Hammond at. at San, at San Antonio, like when a, a woman's basketball coach finally gets the chance, the head coaching level, like there are a lot of levels to this stuff. But um, no, Kevin Ollie again was was a name on the list. Obviously, Kenny Payne is a minority head coach. Shaka Smart 
And, and then for the names that I pointed out, Darvin Ham, Ime Oduka, Oduka, Jamal, and Malik Allen, all of them are minority head coaches or minority assistant coaches in the NBA. So something to look out for as well. Nick, that was a lot of talking on my part. Any of these names stand out? Any comments on my kind of thoughts on, on this extensive list? I, I fully agree with your thought process. I do think it's going to be somebody out of the dark that we did not expect. I am a full believer that Bruce Pearl was was and was never, ever part of the discussion, um, was maybe, you know, very briefly reached out to and was, you know, pretty quickly seen that it was not going to be a possibility and, and that that narrative was allowed to continue because of that. Um, and, and kind of just allowed them to get their pieces in a row and get the firm going all of that behind the scenes. I think the only guy that, that I've been thinking that are really two guys that you didn't mention, um, Chris Holtman being one. And yes, I'm aware he grew up a UK fan. I don't care. I, I, I just don't care. Um, Ohio state coach of the, of the Brad Stevenson Butler line, obviously young coach, Midwest connections, those kind of things. Um, really good X's and O's, really good culture guy. And then Wes Miller, Wes Miller of UNC Greensboro, now at UC. Again, another very young coach with Midwest connections, has good ties, has a good background, obviously doesn't have as developed of a coaching tree because he's young. But I think the thing for me here is I think you've got to find a guy who is going to be here for 10 years, quite honestly, like five to 10 years minimum is, is this next guy. And so I think that's what you've got to look for, right? Like you can't, I think Kelvin Sampson's off the board for a variety of reasons. Um, but one of them is his age, right? I think he's one of those where you got to say, all right, he's not, he's not got 10 years left. So he, he can't be, he can't be the solution. I think Ed Cooley would fall into that category as well. Um, and also he, I think he really enjoys where he's at at Providence to be completely honest with you. I think he's basically got a lifetime con contract. I know it doesn't say that, but he, I believe he's got one of those rolling contracts that kind of just builds every year, but I agree with you. I think the minority coaching thing is a conversation that has to be at the forefront, um, as we've seen in the NFL recently, right? Um, coaches who are no longer head coaches are free to speak and 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 are voicing things that we didn't know about. And, you know, I, I'm going to believe them because they were the ones with the experience um, in those situations. And so obviously interview anybody that fits into that criteria. Um, but I, I firmly believe you need to make a strong push to interview minority candidates and make that part of your de decision-making process, right? And, and like you said, the game is continuing to change at a recruiting level at NLI. All, I mean, all these different things. But th this is a factor that is not going anywhere. Um, and if anything, like you said, could be a catalyst for some real change in the city, um, in the state, um, in the wake of you know all the different things that have happened in and around Louisville and the United States. Um, then in the past few years, right, like it would would be a great step forward and not that it solves any problem directly, but it absolutely should be at the forefront of the decision making process. I think I think going back to though, like the Scott Drews of the world, I do think they're there that that will be a factor for some guys like guys who have proved it somewhere else who still want to coach at a blue blood like they still want that opportunity to go plug and play at a place where there's more resources, um, where you're still not a football school. I mean, Baylor is still a football school. They, they, they are, that's just still where the majority of their, their funds and their boosters and, and their fans come from. And Scott Drew has done an, a ridiculous job at Baylor. And I think he would be a great fit in Louisville. I, I think Shaka smarts one that's not been talked about. Like you said, 
because of, you know, quote unquote, the washout at Texas. I think the best thing he did for his career and his life and his family was go to Marquette. Um, and he was very clear about that at the time. Like, Hey, this is just what's best for us is for me to, he, I mean, he basically did a Chris Mack, except he got a job out of it. Like he just parlayed it into a, to a, to another job. And year one, he is doing amazing things with not a very talented roster, to be honest with you. So I think he would be one as well. I think for me, the, what makes it difficult is we have so many names on the board. And I think part of that is because it is still a good job. Like it, it is still a good job. And so there are going to be a lot of people interested. Like you said, I agree. Like the Brad Stevenson's, you know, the, uh, you know, the other NBA coaches, you know, the bill self, those guys are, are not touchable at this point, but there are still a lot of guys who are coaching right now at high level programs who could be interested in this position, who could be talked into this situation. And so I think you got to look at a guy. It all comes back to, can he fix the culture? Can he connect to the city? Can he connect to the university? Can he bring in, you know, like you said, can he bring in those people who are waiting, who are begging to give more money to the university, who are begging to buy season tickets? Can you bring in the assistants who can get it done on the recruiting trail and then figure it out from there? It, it's going to happen. The next coach is going to be successful. And, and for me, that's what's exciting about this is I think there's a number of guys that could be successful. Um, and I think the only way you screw this up is by bringing in a guy who, who just can't do the culture and, and doesn't have the connections. And that's really that simple. And my, my last kind of thought on that is everything that you just said is why I ultimately think that Louisville will do this, this search and they will do their due diligence and Kenny Payne will still remain right there at the end. Uh, number one, he is an excellent player developer. Uh, if you talk to any of the, there have been a, a slew of incredible big men that came through Kentucky, uh, namely Anthony Davis, Carl Anthony Towns, came through and, and, and became um, NBA All-Stars uh, under, under his watch. And those, they will say, uh, straight up, point blank, Kenny Payne is the reason why uh, I was, uh, you know, I was a lottery pick, why I was, you know, why I'm successful and I make seven-figure contract, right? Like, they will straight up say that. So that's number one right there. Number two is that he's an unbelievable recruiter. He brought, he brought in those players, but he also developed them. The thing that people keep saying is that Kenny Payne will bring in DJ Wagner. I'm not sure about that. I don't even know if DJ Wagner is a guy that's going to play in college. Like he, you know, he's going to be, if you're not aware, DJ Wagner would be the number one recruit in the 2022 class. Uh, he is head and shoulders the best player at the high school level right now uh, in the class of 2023. And obviously he is the grandson of, I don't want to mess, mess this up, grandson of Milt Wagner, who played at Louisville, and the son of Dewan Wagner. Um, and so ultimately, um, I, I think that, that, I don't, I don't know if he's going to bring in a player like that necessarily, but he has a track record as an elite recruiter. And with the, the culture and everything that he can bring to the table at Louisville, I think that he can continue that trend. And then additionally, he brings hope and optimism to the program, and that's going to lead uh, to, to booster and donor money. And ultimately, that's what Louisville needs. And as, as we have indicated many times already tonight, m ultimately money talks. There is no greater cost-benefit than Kenny Payne right now because it seems like a lot of these former players are going to get back involved with the program. Uh, it seems like uh, a lot of the important donors and, and people who are formerly involved with the program much more in depth would be much more willing to jump back on that train if Kenny Payne was the guy that was hired. So with all that being said, 
I think that he ultimately ends up being the guy the more that I just kind of sit and think about it. But also, I really, truly do think that Louisville should address uh, potentially hiring another guy that's an assistant coach at the NBA level. If you look up top 10, top 25 up and coming as NBA assistant coaches, there's a lot of great, fascinating names out there of guys who have been on NBA benches under some of these incredible head coaches like Eric Spolstra, Spolstra, Greg Popovich. Like There are dozens and dozens of names of these young up-and-coming players, and you have to think that some of those guys get looks too if Kenny Payne's going to, especially because they're, as, as I indicated, there's just kind of this cycle of just like these old white dudes that are head coaches of college basketball teams whereas there is a lot of young up-and-coming minority coaches that could land here and and lead this program for multiple decades. And ultimately, I think that's something that should excite Louisville fans. Uh, but we'll get out of here. It's been a long one tonight, but we had a lot to cover, a lot to get into. Ultimately, Louisville lost nine of their last ten. Not a lot of hope and optimism for this season, but ultimately a lot of optimism for the program in the future, and I think that's what we should be excited about. Uh, until next time, uh, Low Winter Sun is next. Let's get out of here. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.